0: We roll through a lovely Wednesday afternoon. Of course, it is uh, game day as the Oilers are going to take on the Calgary Flames in the uh, their second last preseason game. Uh, the top two lines will play. Nurse and Bouchard will play. Skinner's going to play, and then uh, we don't know exactly. There's there's a healthy defense. Few one healthy defenseman because Kulak Ekholm uh, aren't playing. DeHarnay's healthy, but uh, he's already played five games. He's not going tonight. Derek Ryan's healthy, but he's not going. Those two are out uh, late at practice today. So uh, there's basically five wingers. Four of them are going to go between Ernie and Lavoie, Fogle, Holloway, and Yanmark. One of them will uh, get the night in the uh, press box, the uh, the strutty, as we like to call it. And uh, then, of course, you have Deneen and Gleason and Broberg and CeCe, uh, Kemp, Niemalainen, and um Two of those guys are also going to be uh, taking a seat tonight. Now let's get to our big guest of the day, brought to you by the Spruce Grove Saints. You want to see exciting AJHL action? Hey, guess what? Our uh, our big guest used to uh, frequent a few of those rinks when his son was playing there. So Spruce Grove to get your tickets. There's another hint. So we gave all the hints. And uh looks like we stumped you for the first time. No one was able to get it. Here, uh, we'll recap it again. Uh, I, I think our guests would have guessed it. I hope anyway. Seven-time 20-goal score. Three-time 30-goal score. Did score 50 goals once. He had the fifth most goals in his draft class. He's a two-time two-time Stanley Cup winner. Uh, was in the NHL as a player or coach for uh, 13 seasons, but has been around the NHL for much longer uh, in a broadcaster role. And uh, he joins me now. From Edmonton calls it, uh, his hometown now. Uh, Craig Simpson joins us. Simmer,
2: how you doing? I'm good. You, you threw me off with the 13 years because I was thinking, okay, I only played 10. Uh, you threw in the coaching there too. Oh, yeah. That's good. Oh, it's yeah. Good. Well, you
0: can't make it too easy, right? But nowadays with Google, it's hard. Yeah, it's you gotta, pretty
2: easy, isn't it? You
0: got to try to think of some stuff that they can't just easily, uh, research. The other one I did have was, uh, did have an offer sheet that was rescinded yep. by the, uh, the National Hockey League, um, from the San Jose Sharks, which is, uh, we'll get into that. A little bit. But I want to go way back. Because uh, you were actually, I think, the youngest player to ever play college hockey. Because you had skipped grade three. Yep. And then you took grade 11 and 12 in one year. So how did you take 11 and 12? Like, did you take <laughs> summer courses?
2: Uh, I did end up having to take uh, one summer course. My, my last... Uh uh, to get your grade 12 diploma, you had to have a five core classes. Okay. My last one that I had to take uh, was math. So I, I, was actually technically, you know, kind of accepted to Michigan State, but I still hadn't finished my summer school math yet. <laughs> so the, the pressure was on. I was really fortunate in, in London. Uh, I was at Oak Ridge High School and we were on a semester system. So the first half of the year, was five courses and then the second half was a separate five so okay. I made kind of the decision in about November uh started thinking about where I was probably going to get drafted in the Ontario Hockey League and it was going to be far away from London and school was really important uh, okay. and so we just started looking at options and basically I Went to Michigan and Michigan State. They're three-hour drive, both of them, from my home. So for my mom and dad, it was a good sense of being close. Ron Mason, I had worked with uh, at hockey schools before. He was the head coach of Michigan State, so there was a connection there. And basically, I changed uh, two of my cores in the second semester. Uh, to the grade 12s to get them. I took a night school class, which was only phys ed, so <laughs> I was able to handle that one. Uh, well, you're allowed one elective. And then I took, uh, through correspondence, a history, grade 12 history class. So it was a busy, busy time, but honestly, it... Uh, Nothing like when you're, when you're motivated and excited about the opportunity. It, it didn't seem like a lot of extra work. You know, it was, uh, I was playing for the London Junior B Diamonds there in the Western Junior B Hockey League. And I had played there as a 14 year old, uh, the year before. And then as a 15 year old, the, the decision kind of was I, I was leading the league in scoring as a 15 year old. So I can't really go back to the junior b if i don't go to college so uh the thing that was critical was to be able to finish my schooling so i could go to university and you know what it uh, the rest was history it was such a great experience so
0: you mentioned uh education so was that from you or were your parents the ones who really said hey we love that you want to try to be an athlete yeah. but we really got to get your education well
2: yeah, our family uh both my mom and dad were teachers uh my dad's a PhD. My eldest sister uh, was a PhD in English literature. Okay, my brother, wow. my brother, uh, who was a London Knight, so he was able to go to school. Uh, he was the captain of London Knight. Uh, won the CHL score. He was uh, player of the year in 1981. Uh, the CHL still holds a London Knight scoring record. Really? Uh, yeah. He was. He was nervous when Pat Kane got within, I think, five points, <laughs> yeah. and he was he was uh, messaging me, going, "Man, I don't know. I, I don't think I can hold this Kane guy off." But, uh, <laughs> but my mom, uh, when Dave was playing for the Knights, yeah. uh, would go to his classes at times and take notes because he'd be on a road trip and was going to miss. So she would go up to the university. Everybody in my family had gone to uh, Western University, of Western Ontario, and. So for my mom, it was exciting to get back into a classroom again. And, uh, Dave was scholastic player of the year in the, the OHL for, for us three years. And so school was just, it was, it was not a non option. Yeah. And, uh, uh, part of what really pushed it that year, I think it was the teams that were in the lower, uh, you know, that we're going to draft high in the draft. We're Sudbury, Sault Ste. Marie, you know, a long way away from, uh, from my home. And it just got us thinking. And my, my coach at the time in the, in the diamonds was Randy Neal and he was a Michigan grad. And so we just yeah. started talking college hockey. And I said, Hey, if I can go now and, and both teams were, uh, both schools, were um, willing to, you know, look at it and see what was there. I always tell young kids, you know, when when I was going to John Dearness Public School, grade 8, I never thought what I was doing there would have any impact on my life. And here you are. I was in grade eleven, so they went back to my like public school and talked to principals and talked to the, the schools did. Oh wow! To see what kind of kid is this, you know, what kind of marks did he have back then, you know, what kind of student was he, what kind of personality did he have? And I always said, you know, little did I know then how important what I did then uh, gave me the opportunity to to go to Michigan State at that point.
0: Craig Simpson joins us today on uh, Who Is It Wednesday. Course, uh, one of course, he's the lead uh, analyst on uh, Hockey Night in Canada. Does all the games. Lives in Edmonton, but uh, did seventy-eight <laughs> games last year, and they were all on the road. Not one in Edmonton. <laughs> no. uh, you do have one for sure this year in Edmonton. We know for sure because you have the uh, Heritage Classic on the Sunday coming up uh, later this month. So that's nice. But so you go to you go to college for a few years, and now it's you're entering your draft year, nineteen eighty-five, and. You know, you were highly sought after, right? Like, there was lots of conversations you were going to go number one. Toronto had the number one pick. There was Wendell Clark and you. Now, I, I, I've read online that the interview between with you and the Leafs... Now, was it Harold Ballard? and Because I've seen... You can't believe everything I read on Wikipedia. So was the interview with you and the Leafs that... Confrontational might not be the right word. So what would you describe that draft interview yeah.
2: with the Leafs like? Well, it, it's not like today's game where, you know, the top picks go around. It's very well organized. Uh, this was just something that was starting. I, I only went... To see three teams, I, I went to the New Jersey Devils. Uh, they were the third overall pick. Went to the Leafs, which were first, and Pittsburgh. So only okay. those three, and Toronto actually was my last. Uh, the probably the most impressive was the Devils. Actually, uh, um, I I enjoyed the conversation. It was really two way and respectful. Uh, Pittsburgh went fine. Uh, Eddie Johnson was their general manager. Bob Berry was the coach. Uh, Toronto's was just kind of bizarre. Like, uh, Jerry, uh, McNamara was, uh, the, the GM and Don Maloney was the head coach. And, you know, you and I are sitting here now and I look you in the eyes and I talk to you and I engage with you. And, uh, the discussion was just so deadpan and, Coach is looking off to here. My dad and I are sitting in there and not really having any eye contact, not oh, having wow. any. Yeah, it was just bizarre. Part of the approach looking at the situation was, you know, I knew I was going to go one, two or three in that range. Uh, I just I had options because, you know, I had already had two years of Michigan State hockey in me. We had the best team in the country uh, the year before. We got we got to the final four my first year. We had the best team. We only lost six games all year, but we lost a uh, two-game total goal against uh, uh, the Providence Friars. Uh, and then uh, I still had the ability to go back to school. So I had that as a threat okay. and was was uh, registered to go to school. So in my mind, I was thinking I might. Who knows where yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, but we also had looked at that time frame for Toronto, I grew up w- loving Daryl Sittler. I mean, I grew up in London, Ontario. Had a black and white TV with the ravagers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would sit late at night watch their playoff games in in the seventies, and that uh, stay up late on on Saturday night. Daryl, I, I wore number twenty seven at Michigan State. Daryl was my favorite player growing up. So, in a lot of ways, you know, why wouldn't yeah. you like to go there? But just seeing what they had done to young player after young player and had a difficult time developing guys and destroying a few younger ones. And uh, I, on the flip side, the Pittsburgh Penguins just got Mario Lemieux. <laughs> yeah, pretty good player. I'm looking at <laughs> my dad and I just talk and I go, Dad, like – you know, Toronto is gonna be, uh, it's not so much that it's more pressure, it's just that, that's a organization that looks in chaos and yeah. had been for a while. You look at the 80s, I think they were 300 games under 500 for the 80s, right? So, uh, um and I just so I just used the leverage saying you know we started even then talking about money and contracts and that and Toronto was nowhere near where even Pittsburgh was going and so there's just a lot of factors lining up so all we said and this is where you said it it gets uh, skewed a little bit I didn't tell him I would never play okay. for him or anything like okay. that I said if you guys are going to draft me I think I'll go back for my third year at Michigan State so I'm you know, there's a bit of a leverage point just saying if you're expecting someone to come in now, uh and in hindsight, Michigan State won the national championship that year. <laughs> <laughs> so it uh it would have been a, a nice time. But I I think just the what skewed it so much was the idea of building with Mario. I yeah. mean you well, got he he had come off a hundred point rookie year, called a trophy winner and uh uh, I just think if you're going to pick one team or the other, I, I think going with 66 was probably uh, the right idea.
0: So you ended up going number two overall. Uh, then you go to to Pittsburgh camp that year. You make the Pittsburgh Penguins in 85, 86. And, and obviously they're not a great team, yeah. right? Which is like, that's why they had the number two overall pick after having the number one uh, the year before with Marilyn Mew. But you come in there, teenagers in the NHL historically, Craig, it's really difficult. Yep. Right. We've seen great teenagers and, I, and, and even now, this many years later, with all the advancements in technology and nutrition and training and everything, they're like, Leon Dreisel is a hard trophy winner. He couldn't play in the NHL as a yeah. teenager, right? right? It's hard. So how was it for you that first year? Like going, cause A, you were young, right? Yeah. yeah you played two years of college, but most guys come out of college two years or 20.
2: Yeah. You're 18. Yeah, I, I wasn't ready. And honestly, all those distractions, I didn't sign until September 8th, I think, yeah. right before training camp. Uh, add to that too, my, my brother Dave, uh, who was in the Islanders organization before, uh, was kind of, he's five years older than me. So he's 23, 24. And they invited him to camp too, I think just to sort of appease, get the family part going. That, for me, was the worst thing. I, as I look at it now. I didn't have huh. the maturity to say I wanted my brother to make it to the NHL. Yeah. I wanted him to get an opportunity, and I spent more time, I think, at training camp, worried about how my brother was doing, okay. as opposed to me just being focused on. Like, who am I kidding? I'm coming after Mario Lemieux at 100 points and a generational player. I'm the second overall pick, and and I I failed. I, I mean, I I think it was the best lesson. I ever had in terms of at any point in my hockey career to that point, I've never really had a failure-type yeah. year. And so, yeah, you deal with adversity or you deal with when you're 14 playing with 20-year-olds. You know, it was challenging there, but I didn't fail. And this that, that whole season was a tough one, uh, and it was probably the best thing that ever could have happened to me. And, you know, I, I had good people around me, Most notably, my mom and my dad, but my brother as well. Um, But instead of allowing that to destroy me, it actually motivated me more. And the next summer, uh, I knew the work I had to put in and the things I had to do. I went back to Michigan State. Worked out with Kelly Miller, who played for the yeah. Washington Capitals and Rangers there, and just said, uh, "You know this is on me that that year I watched Wendell get what thirty four goals as a rookie uh, coming in in Toronto, and so you always are tied to that too, and say okay well now it's uh, now is my time to learn from the mistakes I made and learn from not being prepared and ready and strong enough." As y'all know, I'm not a great skater, so if I'm not in tip-top shape, uh, my speed's not there. And uh, I think in so many ways, instead of breaking me down, it actually motivated me more than ever. Craig Simpson
0: joins us. One last one before we go to break. So you mentioned you and your dad were talking in Toronto, that, and uh, who was your agent at that time?
2: My my dad actually was. I was yeah. ask, okay. So at the time back then too, you didn't have representation if you were at college, right? You couldn't have an agent. <clears throat> they call them something different now and they did
0: advisors i think is what they're called now
2: and because i was still enrolled at michigan state uh right down to september before because i didn't sign we we were going all the way through uh dad did the negotiations and for most of my career he continued on. i got don me in at the end uh uh there but uh, yeah it was kind of unique situation and uh you know, in retrospect, if I had to do it over again, probably wouldn't have it that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now fair.
2: that now that you know how much leverage yeah. uh, agents get off of each GM, if I got a player here, I'll get to this guy. And uh, uh, but, anyways, it was a it was a good bond and uh, something that that worked relatively well.
0: Uh, well, we're going to talk about uh, your father son relationship and more when we return. It's Jason Greger Show on Sports fourteen forty. Craig Simpson is our guest today on Who Is It Wednesday. We continue on Wednesday afternoon on Sports 1440. It's the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Our who-is-it Wednesday guest? None other than Craig Simpson from Hockey Night in Canada. Of course, our Hitter fans know him as a two-time Stanley Cup winner. And we talked about his uh, unique journey uh, going to... uh, college, a university when he was 16 and then getting drafted to second overall in 1985 by the Penguins. Uh, tough first year. Then the second year, you kind of figured it out. You know, you have 51 points. Then you start your third season, Craig, and you're on fire. You <laughs> had 13 goals in 21 games. You have 25 points. You're like, okay, here we go. I'm playing with Mario. We're lighting it up. And then Tell me, how'd you get the phone call? Had you
2: heard the rumblings of the trade? Well, you you go back to 1987, and it's not like today where everything is instant and you have uh, your phone out and you know what's going on around the league. But it was unique with the Oilers winning the Cup and Paul Coffey holding out of training camp. Uh, Right from day one of that training camp, uh, speculation around the league was, well, if Paul Coffey's going to get traded somewhere, where should he go? Well... Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky, you know, you're looking for another star player that hasn't had depth, that hasn't had an offensive-minded defenseman. So... Although it was reading the paper every day, as opposed to uh, that, it, it, you know, it came in slower. I literally knew Barry Fraser was almost at. I think every exhibition game of ours in oh, Pittsburgh. Wow. Yeah, okay. so I did. The radar was up, and for me, as you said, I, I came off twenty-six goals, fifty-one points. I'm going. I'm now, you know, a number two center on the team and getting an opportunity to play. Uh, I was again a, a real player now. You know, yeah. I'm twenty years old. And going into my third camp was completely different. And I just got off. I had the mindset of saying, okay, well, don't worry about rumors because my name would come up. Obviously, you're going to get Paul Coffey, you got to give up some assets. And uh, the most inspiring thing, though, for me for that entire year was watching my teammate at the Canada Cup. Like, At that training camp, Mario wasn't there at camp. Yes. And so we got to watch every night the Canada Cup and watch Mario get to finally play with great players and watching what he and Gretz did together. You know, obviously, I didn't know Wayne in that regard. I was obviously idolized Wayne and how he played. But to me, it was just so empowering to see how great Mario was and having played now two years with him, Getting him to finally play with players that were winners, that were champions and the best in the world and to see what he did. It, it, man, it inspired me. And so he came back a completely different guy, as you can imagine. Oh. It, it was, it was a breakthrough for him. And also just to, to realize A, how great he could be in relation to the greatest, yeah. uh, and how, uh, clutch he came up at the biggest moment. So. Right from the start of that year, uh, I don't know why. Pierre Kramer was a new head coach and he played me on the wing. I, I literally had hardly played on the wing at all. And for a stretch, you had Charlie Simmer had got there. So you had Simmer and Simmer playing with uh, Mario <laughs> at the beginning. And as the rumor mill kept going, it motivated me even more. And I, I, I often, even as a coach, talked to the guys at trade deadline who were really struggling with rumors coming out. i go guys the one thing you control is how you're playing and i'm going to make it so it's almost impossible a for the penguins to trade me because i'm playing as well as i am or make it impossible for slots not, not to, to want to have me and so uh i did I got off to a good start felt like a you know a A big part of the offense got to play a lot more than I had even in the second year and our last two games were the western swing our last three games as a penguin for me played in Vancouver and then we came here and played in Edmonton and I had been playing some wing that night I got put back at center and I like I look at it now and I even knew it then this is an audition night right like the now you're 19 20 games that was our 20th game of the year uh, 20 games into the year, and you know, Slats has got to pull the trigger on coffee. It's not doing anybody no. good. And here we are in Edmonton. And I I remember looking at Slats, didn't know him obviously, and like that, but going, listen, let's either get this done or leave me alone. Like I'm having uh the best year of you my career. You told him that? No, well, I'm I'm looking like, oh, come okay. on, either yeah, it, yeah I see. Okay. Get off the pot. There go. So I played against Mess all night. So I think, you know, from a GM's perspective, he's going, let's test this kid. And from slots, I have a great picture of battling off a face-off with Mark, who ironically became my center for the next five years. But I really use that game as just, okay, you got to show what you are. And it's that whole mindset again of either, you know, you need – get the deal done because you want me or if the penguins are saying oh we can't trade him uh, you know either way it's a win-win for me and uh we lost four to one but i scored my last goal as a penguin oh, okay. against jersey <laughs> and in typical fashion i it was a rebound goal and i got knocked into him and i ran him over and we were <laughs> celebrating and he's looking up for me and I, I didn't know him obviously then as much he goes uh, you can get up anytime now. There <laughs> you, <know>, you go. <laughs> and then we we played in Calgary. Uh, we tied that game and went all the way back to Pittsburgh. And as it always happens, uh, in the middle of practice, I get called. Go, you got to go up and see Eddie. And so, so you there knew was. when
0: you were going up there, you were traded. Obviously. Oh yeah,
2: for yeah. sure. And literally, there's how the game works. Uh, I mean, we had just flown commercial in the yes. middle row in the smoking section. <laughs> you know, back in those days. <laughs> um, and. This- Okay. Well, I did. We had I know, that at times. It, 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 eh? it was unbelievable, uh-huh. and so I went up with EJ, and uh, I had been living with the Matthews family there. So oh, okay. uh, Mario had lived there his first year, and I've lived there the two years. And anyways, I was on a plane. I think it happened at about ten thirty in the morning. I was on a one fifty five flight. Got into here Edmonton at about midnight. Sparky got us with the cube van and stayed at the Forum Hotel oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right across from Northlands. And literally, it, it was game day the next day. You talk about changing your life. Yeah. Uh, it, it really was something that, uh, you know, it, it did change my life uh, eventually, obviously, mm-hmm. to, to come to such a great team. But, no, that, the journey to get there was a, was a great one. I just knew it was going to be a different year for me.
0: Craig Simpson joins us. Uh, so you get traded to Edmonton. You've been playing with Marilyn Mew. So, you know, and you're a pretty good player yourself. You had 13 goals in 21 games that year, an over-a-point-a-game guy. But then you walk into the to the dressing room of a team that has won three of the last four Stanley <laughs> yeah. Cups. That's the greatest offensive player ever. One of the best leaders. You know, it's got Anderson. It's got Curry. It's got Grand Fuhrer. You're 20 years of age. Yeah. And I know that I've heard all the stories that Messi was this unbelievable leader, made everybody feel yep. welcome right away. But How intimidated was a young
2: Craig Simpson or were you intimidated? You know what? I, I was all those thoughts that you just laid out clearly that whole flight. I'm going, I'm finally having a breakout year. Where am I going to play on this team? Like I'm looking at you're not playing taking Curry or taking in. You're not taking Anderson's spot. I go, I might get stuck on the fourth line now. And so it definitely was in my head. Uh, the one thing I would say though is walking down that hallway into the dressing room. Just partly seeing the the pictures on the walls and the historical, like you said, uh, three of the last four Stanley Cup championships. And you walked in there and I was, you know, Pittsburgh was a bad team, a poor owner. Our rink was terrible. And so nothing was organized and nothing had no culture to our whole group. And I immediately walked in and went, this is a different place. Like, okay. everything is uniform. Everything's the same. Okay. You, you meet people, and they're looking you in the eyes. And, welcome, good to see you. So I think it calmed me in in that regard coming in. I think one of the first guys I met was Joe. Oh, so that was well, like, that's, Right <laughs> away, you're like, that's oh, that's a, pretty good. This is the best. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, no, Wayne, I, I just remember being a little nervous, obviously. The, the, one of the strange things, I often talk about it, and I was only there for three years, but when you put on a different color sock, it just—it's like, oh my gosh! Like I've been doing this for three, four years. Imagine a guy for ten years has been doing the same color, and it's yeah. different. And that really was a uh, a jolt. Uh, but what I love about Slots and how good he was—he uh, called me in and. Uh, I could tell, you know, would be thinking what you were just saying. Where am I going to play? What am I going to do? I know a lot of guys that are having good years and go to a new team and then don't do well are like, mm-hmm. well, I didn't get to play enough. You know, you hear the excuses come out. Brilliant for slats. Um, just took away any excuse that I could possibly have to not produce. And he took everything out of his hands and placed it all on mine, which I just loved. He goes, he goes, Craig, uh, you know, welcome. He said, uh, I brought you here uh, to help us win a Stanley Cup again. Uh, I'm going to need you to be better than you've ever been. You're going to have to learn how to play with this caliber of, of players. Um, but he said, I think you're equal to the task. And he, he goes, I'm going to play on the left side with Messi and Anderson. And I just sort <laughs> of looked at him. Oh, okay. That's not bad. I can take that. Like everything in my head, I'm going, where am I going to play? What am yeah. I going to do? And all of a sudden it was just like so brilliant from a standpoint of knowing that the pressure is going to be on me and said it takes away like how am I, if I don't get off to a good start, what's my excuse? They're yeah. all gone. It's all on me. So it was a great challenge. I, I just loved it. And I still – my uh, hair goes up on my arms when you think about it. And so I just went to Mass. Uh, you know, it's a morning skate, and I go, you know, hey, how, how do you want me to play, and what do you want me to do? He just looks at him. He goes, hey, uh, in our end, just take care of the boards and do your job defensively. Other than that, let's just go play. I was like... Okay. I can handle that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the rest was history. Like, uh, it, now how'd you keep up to those two guys? Cause you mentioned those guys, like those two
0: guys could fly.
2: It was the best thing for me again, too. And uh, again, of understanding by your third year what it takes to be an NHL player, but. I've been on a terrible team. I mean, right. we, we still drafted, I think, fifth overall yeah. the year after me, yeah. right? So, Chris Joseph. Chris I Joseph. Think. Yeah, and he got traded in the deal as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, I often said our practices in Edmonton were more difficult for me skating wise than the games I played in Pittsburgh. Like, it, really? it was that dramatic of a difference. Well, you got the best team in the league, yeah, and a team fair. that's been okay. a bottom five okay. for the last five years. And uh, I think again, it's the best thing that happened for my career because it forced me each and every day to be to just, oh, I had to, I had to work as hard as I could to keep up and practice. Forget about game <laughs> because uh, yeah. the great thing about our practices too was the attention to detail. You know, Muck, uh, Slots, Wayne always say if you can't pass, you can't play. Like yeah. that was always our thing. So everything had to be. On the tape, you had to do it right. You had to go over if you didn't. And that's what championship teams do. And uh, that was just so exciting to be a part of it. But uh, I, I love the mindset that Glenn, he, he just gave me the opportunity and took away there any reason that I would have an excuse to not produce. So,
0: do you remember your your first game as an oiler? I do. We lost to New Jersey.
2: Yes. I I don't think I got anything. Uh, I I it was had like four a horrible, penalty minutes. Did I? Yeah, oh, yeah. real dirty. real rough house. Eh? I was trying to set the tone physically. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I, I, it was all kind of a blur in that regard. Uh, just trying to find a way to fit in, and I. I remember it. I don't remember much of what happened in it. I would not have got the four penalty minutes in my mind on that, but uh, all I remember is being disappointed I didn't score. Do you remember a
0: December 12, a December 2nd game that year? Cause you got traded, you came in late November, right? Uh, November. So your yep. fifth game as an order it was December 2nd. Well,
2: it, did I have the hat trick that night in, in Detroit? Detroit? So I'll give you a story on that one. Because uh, uh, I scored in on a two on one uh, in Buffalo with Yari Curry. Yeah, it's like again, you're going. It's amazing playing now with guys that you idolized. Uh, yeah. it, it is. And oh, again, I can I'm, I, I'd already played you know almost 200 games in the league, and I, but I'm 20 years old, yeah. and I'm still going. Oh my God, Mark Messi is my centerman, <laughs> and Wayne, I, I I used to come back to the bench. Uh, On a power play and Wayne would give me like an unbelievable chance. I wouldn't score. And I'd come back. I go, sorry, Wayne. I should have had that. And after a while, he'd go, simmer, forget about the stories. Let's go get it the next time. And I go, okay. Yeah. You got to get that out of your head. Apologizing to the teacher for, (laughs) you know, for uh, having a bad test. Yeah. But slats in that morning skate, uh, you said it was my fifth game or so. Just had a little talk with me and said, how you feeling? Like, how you finding the, the room and how you finding the guys and you know in those morning skates before nothing's really going on I said actually this has been the most exciting you know time of my life I can't believe I'm getting to play with these guys here and he's going okay so I need you to be a better player I need you to be a more consistent player and I said that's something that you know these guys have all been able to do so you know how the rink we're skating around and he goes look at our lineup here and they go if you just take the offensive zone and look at the crease around the net. Said, if your best player is going to be the guy who is in that area, you know, Wayne is there. Wayne's by himself. Nobody else can really play that area. Not figuratively, yes. but literally, I mean. Yeah. But figuratively. So there's the best. There's the best example you have of our best player. And it goes, but then you look at, like, just above the the crease in the slot area there, and it goes, look at our lineup. You go, Mark Messi is in that area every night. Glenn Anderson, Yari Curry are in that area every night. And he goes, you know, you know what you're going to get from them. That That's the beauty of being a top player in the league. He goes, so many other guys are at the top of the circles to the blue line. And yeah. sometimes guys will get into the circle or maybe into the slot, but then they're out there again. Okay. They can't do it on a regular basis. Those guys, I know when I put them in the lineup – I'm getting that out of those core four or five guys, right? And he goes, you, uh, I'd say sometimes. I've seen you in flashes where you're in there with Yari and Mark and you're playing with Glenn and that. But too often you're way out here at the blue line and you're out with the rest of the guys and you're, you're not consistent enough. He goes, I don't need you to be Wayne Gretzky. I don't need you to try to find a way to try to get your game to his level. It's not going to happen. I don't need you to be Mark Messier. I don't need you to be Glenn Anderson. You're never going to be Yari Curry. But I need you to be the best Craig Simpson that you can be. And if that means that you can spend 80 to 90% of the time in that slot area like those guys are, then we've got a chance. Then you've got a chance to be a star in this league. I go, like, I've never had a coach talk to me at the NHL level. And in my first year, Bob Berry wouldn't even look at me. Right. (laughs) And so to me, that was the morning skate of that game.
0: Yeah, it was. And And then I got a hat trick that night. uh, And it was like,
2: he made you believe in yourself more. But he, yes. But he also challenged you to say, listen, uh, I need you. Our team needs you to be in that role. But I've, I've talked to so many different places about this and every organization, every team, it's important. you you got to embrace having better players around you. Embrace somebody who's smarter than you. Embrace somebody who has more talent than you and not be intimidated or jealous of it. Yeah. And what that did for me was going, okay, if, if you start trying to become Marc Messier, I'm not, I don't have that ability. I don't have that skill set. Mine is different. I do things, maybe even some better than him and different things, but overall... If you're chasing that and that's where your path is leading you, you're going to fail and you're not going to be able to feel like you can be a contributor. And that to me was the most powerful message from Slats was, no, no, no. I need you. I need Craig McTavish to be the best Craig McTavish too. And like everybody fills that role and becomes the best version of themselves. And uh, I I remember that like it was yesterday because that night I was so motivated. And uh, (laughs) uh, off of that... Uh, very conversation from Glenn. Glenn did a lot of that for me to sort of push me to be better each and every day and more consistent, but also give me the tools to to find a way to get there.
0: Craig Simpson joins us on Who Is It Wednesday? I'm Jason Greger on Sports 1440. We'll take a quick break, come back with more on The Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. We continue on Jason Greger's show on Sports 1440 live on Oilers Nation YouTube. Craig Simpson is our guest, of course, joined the Oilers in 1987 uh, and uh, went on. In November of 1987, that was the uh, they won their first cup, and then of course uh, you know Gretzky gets traded that summer after you won the cup, and I'm sure it's a big shock to the whole team. It's like oh my goodness, just Craig, uh, we lost uh, Wayne Gretzky. Then you met him in the playoffs. There was also the brawl though, (laughs) uh, (laughs) when you guys played the Kings that year, and Messier fought McSorley, and it was like 400 penalty minutes. (laughs) Did that game like was that the the cutting of the cord? Is it too easy to say that? Or was that kind of symbolic and like okay, you know what? Hey, we're always going to be friends with Gretzky, but now he's the opposition.
2: That that was the precursor to being able to finally beat them. Uh, I mean, losing in in '89, we were up three to to, yeah, up three to one. I I would say the the cut emotionally was after that Uh, in the dressing room. Gretz scored the empty netter to end it. We're all in there. And Slats, it was his last game as the head coach, right? Because he stayed on the year after trading Gretz and then passed it on to Muck. Good for him for not putting Muck in that situation yeah. there. But we lost because you didn't play Wayne like you would Mario. And yeah. I felt that myself. You're hesitant to hit him the way you would or be as aggressive just because he what he meant to you. And uh, so in the room after we lost that game seven, all Slats said was, guys, this might, you know, this is a good lesson for us all. He goes, "You guys, I know that's your buddy out there, but f- few uh, expletive uh, <laughs> words." But he goes, "Did you? He just stuck it, you know where, and is dancing down the middle of the ice with his new teammates as he sends us away for the summer." He goes, "Just remember that, and remember that, you know, he can be your friend." but he can't be on the ice. And not much else was said. We're obviously devastated yeah, uh, losing after a 3-1 lead. But so the next year, that one, I believe that game was in like a February-March yeah. area. Yeah. And you're just thinking playoff time. Like you get to that point of the season and you're going, we might be seeing them again. And yeah. this is not going to happen again. I remember Tiki and I in a pile and Marty was down there and we we're wrestling with whoever was there. All of a sudden, Marty's head just sort of popped out of the thing, and Tiki's looking at me and looking at me. It just starts hitting him, <laughs> going like that, and then everything goes oh. and everybody's going. But it it's about, you know, less about the fight. It's about the fight of the team together, yeah. and I don't mean the physical fight necessarily, but, you know, I think we were a different team, and we, we had gotten over and lost, and that that spring— really brought us together as a group to say you know maybe we do have the ability to win without him and start thinking about winning the cup as opposed to just you know winning around come playoff time the
0: 1990 cup winning team with, without gretzky i think was you know was a huge thing for the order uh, organization for the fans because you know there's so many people like oh you know what they're only good without gretzky and I, i'm sure as a proud athlete, there's like, okay, we yeah. want to show some people, right? And, and you were down yeah. to Winnipeg, then 3-1, to one, yep. and you come back in that series. And Mark Lamb was good. But you led the team in scoring. You had 16 goals, 31 points that year. When you look back in your whole career, like, was that the best stretch of hockey you've ever played in your career?
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's probably the one that I'm most proud of, anyways. Uh, and ironically... It came off a terrible year for me. I had, uh, 29 goals, I think. I, I had 180 minutes in penalties that year. I was going
0: to ask you, yeah. but were you just
2: and I, p- I was pissed off all the time. Okay. I was, I, I didn't have a good, good year. I, I struggled a little bit. Uh, I know Slats was mad at me. Uh, you know, 30 goals, 29 goals, whatever it is, but it just wasn't happening. And, you know, sometimes you need to, to get that cathartic, mental thought out of your mind and down the stretch, as we were coming together as a team, you could really feel some good energy and some good vibes. So despite the frustration for me, I I always looked at the end end line of the regular season and go, I'm going to have my best, like the, the playoffs are the great equalizer. Yeah. It, can, it can ruin a great season. If you have a great regular season and you suck in the playoffs, that's all they're going to remember. Yeah. My mindset that year, I, I remember it like yesterday going, I'm going to be the best I've been uh, because I was frustrated from the regular season. And you start that playoff with zeros across the board, and it really was special. I, I can't say enough about what it was like to play with with Mess and Andy. You know, I've got two Hall of Fame guys that basically had four years, two Stanley Cups uh, with them, and just those moments of of – playing at such a high level with so much energy and so much emotion. I remember saying to my dad, you know, when when the clock was ticking down at the Boston Garden and we're going to win, the play was going on. And I, I remember probably more than anything just hugging Mess and Andy. We're looking at each other, and you really do bring each other into the fight. And yeah. Mess was such a great leader. I know what that meant for Mark to be the captain yes. of the Edmonton Oilers, after Wayne and win the Stanley Cup, Whoa. I mean, you just it, again it gives chills up my uh, my spine. And uh, I, I remember uh, sitting in the dressing room with uh, Tina Turner, simply the best, on and guys are dancing around and champagnes all around. And because it was my second uh, time, yeah, it was different, you yeah. know. But I, I I can still smell what it smelled. Ready to pop the question. I can still remember the feeling, and I took inventory I go, I want to remember this feeling for the rest of my life. Okay. And, you know, so, unfortunately for me, my career didn't go as long because of my back, but I remember those moments and just say that looking around at your teammates have worked so hard. The, the big moments, think of Mess in Game 4 in Chicago, oh. the conference final. Think of Peter Klima, passed away, but think of Peter's goal in... in you know, triple overtime of game one. Think of all the big saves by Billy, all the block shots in the battles won. you know, those are the moments that, that just identify what you wanted to do in your life as a hockey player. And I, I honestly, uh, I remember saying to my dad, I was almost like feeling afterwards a little depressed. You know, we won the Stanley cup, but like you said, we won it in game five. I would have liked a couple more games. (laughs) Because I, I, I honestly said to my dad, I go, I can't believe we won the cup, but I'm I'm kind of sad and down because you never know if you're going to get to that level again. Uh-huh. You said Mark Lamb. Mark Lamb played such an, an integral role in in what his role was yeah. in, in that playoff. And you go, you know, there's a moment for Mark. You go, you'll, you'll never maybe get to that moment again. I and so uh, I, I do think that's what's so special, and that's what's great. To be around it now, I've done the last 16 Stanley Cups, and to see the energy on the guys and and the celebrations afterwards is, is just brings up so many of those kind of memories.
0: Craig Simpson, with us, and before we let go, I do want to ask you about that. Uh, you know, as a broadcaster, you, you become a, you know a very popular, very good analyst. How'd you learn to be better as an analyst?
2: I I just think you always, you know, I've always said, I think this is year 20. You're 20 20 for me 21 yeah. years I've been doing this I left to coach. go yeah, yeah I coached for a bit my first year my back was so bad I couldn't do anything I, I needed to just heal a little bit uh, I always say if you can get 20 years and people don't absolutely hate you you're doing okay because it's a role that everybody's going to hate you yeah, like yeah. honestly it it's just part of the business you can never do it right uh, but it is—it's a privilege to be up there. I, I love the playoffs as much as it's a grind for the players—a game every second day—and uh, all the energy from a broadcaster with so much on the line. It's the most incredible thing to to go through it and to see it and to be a part of it. So I just think you got to think of well, not what happened or like how did it happen, but why did that happen or why? There's always a mistake that creates an opportunity. There's always you know a great play that will on the flip side, maybe embarrass somebody. It, it's not to embarrass somebody, but it's to just tell the story of the player and the game and what they're doing and how they're doing it out there.
0: Well, I, I'd be curious to know, how do you have the skill that when you're calling a Toronto and Montreal game that you can hate <laughs> both teams evenly? Because I always howl at, at the interactions from fans. You'll be calling a Montreal-Toronto game and say, you're such a homer, you hate the Habs. and then a tro- You're such a homer, you hate the Leafs. It's a, like To me, I'm like, hey, uh, no, nah, it's very yeah. different. Ron Durden told me once in sports, if everybody likes your show, you don't have a good show. Exactly. So, uh, obviously, uh, but it's hilarious where the same game and yeah. you can have
2: people accusing you of being a homer of both teams. It happens every night. <laughs> and it happens more when it's a Canadian against Canadian yeah, team. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I get somebody the, doing the Oilers against Colorado and they lose a game and it's, you know, you, you hate the Oilers so much. I thought you were in a, once an Oilers. I go in, I didn't lose the game. You're talking often, you get that both sides of it. And if your team maybe. be lost for nothing there's a reason why you're probably not on the positive side of it but that honestly you can't read what is said about you because it it can affect you mentally and and i think you got to just go call the game do it as impartially as you can and when you're on a regional one that that's the thing about a regional one you can be more one-sided but the national games that's what i like about it is hey every game you got to find out a little bit about both sides and see see what's going to be the the story of the night.
0: And lastly, the the travel. You're a national broadcaster. We said last year you did seventy eight games. Your 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 home is Edmonton. You did no games at zero. So basically, yeah. you did seventy eight road games. Yeah. How's the How's the drain physically and mentally?
2: It, it is because it's,
0: you're not you're flying commercial. You're oh not, yeah, you're no, not no, I'm not with
2: the teams and exactly. I mean, the it's great for the teams that they are able to separate themselves from all the craziness of travel. Uh, we had two games last year that we didn't make it to the city, so we had to do it from the Rogers Center in uh, the baseball. We were in the baseball broadcast Yeah, last year <sighs> we missed right after Christmas. Uh, flights got canceled. We didn't get to St. Louis, so we had to do the St. Louis game, and we couldn't get to Phoenix. Speed because of all the flight cancellations there. So that's just how you roll with it. And I I think, you know, you you need, like in anything, you need good teammates. Like I had the best partner in Jim Houston and I were just, we would walk around the city and somehow end up at the same place. And we basically ordered the same thing. Like we had a great connection that way. And getting to know Chris Cuthbert uh, in the last two years has been wonderful. you got a great teammate Got a great crew and that's what gets you through it. You support each other through the the difficult travel times. How much hair product do you use? <laughs> I, I, how, do you, how do you measure it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, a, little, I a little goo here, a little, there. A yeah. little there, yeah. And then a li- uh, probably a little more spray than I need to. But Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, hey, yeah. it's always looking
0: good, though. It doesn't move very much. <laughs> it doesn't move much. It's, pre- it's pretty solid. Well, uh, Simmer, it's really great to have you on, man. I really appreciate that. It was, uh, it was great uh, hearing a little bit more of the behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, the, the text lines. People have been loving the insight and uh, look forward to the season. Uh, give me your thoughts on the orders quickly. Yeah,
2: I I think this is kind of a pivotal year. I know you can say that different times, but when you look at players who have, you know, been in that seven, eight year of their career, they're in the prime of their career, and your top guys are are such dominant players, and uh, I just think... Uh, sometimes that extra will is can be the difference maker. I, I think they all realize, especially after last year, not going as far as they felt they could, that you don't get too many chances. And so I, I think as crazy as it is to say, uh, you know, to expect something better than you've seen out of the top guys because <laughs> they've been so dynamite, I think they do have a better group around them. And I think the challenge this year is like, Glenn Seder was saying, "Can how many guys can you draw into the fight? How many guys can you bring to a level? Teams that win the Stanley Cup typically have at all levels, whether it's defense, third pairing, whether it's fourth line, third breakthrough performances. Yeah, and your top guys often are the ones. It was for me, uh, Mark Messier and, and Wayne Gretzky. Their example and what they did every day brought me to a level that I maybe didn't even think I could get to. That's what you have to have. And I look at what Connor's mindset is, telling the guys, we got to be here, we got to be ready, we got to be prepared. We can't let another opportunity slip away. And I think if you can find a couple more pieces that have the personalities that say, I want to be a part of that, I want to be in the fight, I got your back, and I'm going to play at a level that I've never played at, that typically is where you find the success to get there.
0: Well, it'll be fun to watch because, yes, uh, after many years of sucking, the Edmonton Orders are a legit Stanley Cup contender and uh, should be a fun ride. And uh, you'll be along for it. And uh, we'll see you in town at least for one game on the uh, 29th of Heritage October. Heritage Classic. Yeah, I can't
2: wait to get back at that again.
0: <laughs> awesome. Uh, thanks so much, Craig. Thanks. That Thank is uh, Craig Simpson, of course, from Hockey Night in Canada. Let's get to uh, Connor Halley and a Sports Center update brought to you by BIE Engineering, specialized in all your residential, commercial, and industrial structural engineering needs.
1: it.